G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Some of our stories are tragic, and the only way you're going to be able to survive if you know there's an overarching story. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll continue the reality of God. Speaking from Highway Church in Queensland, Pastor Jeff reminds us to live for the eternal and not the present. Our souls thrive when we keep faith in eternity. But the moment you start living for the temporary and forget about the eternal, everything changes. Depression, anxiety, all of these things come in because your soul is disintegrating. This is Today with Jeff Vines and The Reality of God, Part 2. So Jesus uses the romantic language of marriage and says to the disciples, your life's going to get tough. He says that to them. You know that, right? In Acts 1, he says, you're going to be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to be my witnesses, my martyria. The word means martyr. Jesus basically tells them, you've got a great overarching story, but the one on this planet, you're going to die for the cause of Christ. It evolves into the word martyr. You're going to be killed and you're going to suffer because you're part of my kingdom. But don't worry. That's just the story in the here and now. The overarching story is you will live with me in eternity because in my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And one of these days, I'm going to come back and get you so that you may also be where I am. In John 21, he said to Peter, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, I know that you love me. Ask him three times, do you love me? Peter says, yes, on all three accounts. That's another sermon. But he says, Peter, right now you get to get up every morning, you put your belt on, you gird yourself and you get to go wherever you want. One day there's going to be a group of people come and get you and you're not going to dress yourself. They're going to dress you and they're going to bind you and you're going to stretch out your hands, a phrase in extra biblical literature for crucifixion. You're going to stretch out your hands. Peter, you're going to be crucified for me. That's the story that I've written into your life. Some of our stories are tragic and the only way you're going to be able to survive if you know there's an overarching story. One that can never change. One that every time you see a good movie and love it, you don't know why. But if you would stop and think for a moment, this is the theme and the plot of every movie that you've ever liked. Bad guy, good God, savior. And you walk out and think, my, didn't that movie end well? And it ends well because God has placed eternity in your heart to keep reminding you there's a savior that has come into the world and in the end, the trees are gonna dance. But the moment you start living for the temporary and forget about the eternal, everything changes. Depression, anxiety, all of these things come in because your soul is disintegrating. (laughs) The physical body will respond to what the soul and the mind believes. And because we've lost our sense of eternity, we now live in a hopeless world. When eternity dies, society disintegrates under the weight of hopelessness. But worse yet, when eternity dies, self-preservation overwhelms courage and things that truly matter are left undone. This is the horrible thing about eternity lost. You will stop risking for the cause of Christ. 
And when God asks you to do something hard, you won't do it. You know why? And quite frankly, if this is all there is, you're wise not to do it. Why would you put your life and risk your resources on the line for a kingdom that is not real? But it is real. Why in heaven's name would you not put your life on the line and invest your very best into the kingdom? It's one or the other. You can say one thing and live another. And the truth is, when I ask you, why are you here? The answer is, for many reasons, yes. But ultimately because you believe there's a kingdom that is outside of the here and now. And that kingdom is unshakable. Remember what my friend said, Anastas, in Africa when we used to go? I think I've told this story. I tell it everywhere I go. I change it a little bit every time too. It depends on the sermon. That was a joke. I don't change the story. Man, tough crowd. Ooh, you know. So Anastas takes me up on the border of the Congo. and We're going to go into the prisons to preach to those who orchestrated the 1994 genocide. And he tells me, we've been to many prisons before, but none like this. And Anastas says, Jeff, when we go in, stay between me and the wall. You'll get up, you'll preach, I'll translate, the chaplains will take over, and you'll stay on the other side between me and the one, I'll take you back out. And right before we go in, I look at Anastas, and I said to him, Anastas, am I in any danger here? Do you remember his response? Does it matter? It was his way. We had become good enough friends for him to be able to say, oh, so you Americans want to come over and preach as long as it doesn't cost you anything. But I put you in a situation where you may lose your life. Oh, all of a sudden, you don't want... We do this every day, Jeff. See, if I'm living for eternity, I'll go in. But if I'm living for here and now, I'm not going to go through that iron gate. When your pastor tells you something on a highway that's going to cost you something, if you're living for eternity, you're going to, I'm all in. If you're not, you're going to put your head down and hope he moves on to the next point. It's just life. Jesus calls us to come and to die. That's the calling on our lives. And I guess the thing I would ask you, is where are you in all of this? Do you really believe in the words of Sam Gamgee when he realized that his friend Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings trilogy was not really dead? He said, is everything going to become untrue one day? Do you know what that means? And the answer, of course, is yes. It means that all those disasters, all those things that happened in your life that had no meaning, that made no sense to you, all those things that just were so outside of the context of God, that you couldn't possibly see how God could connect all the dots to accomplish something great. All of those things in the kingdom that is to come will be turned right side up again and you'll begin to see exactly what God was doing in that time and that place and the world will make sense again. You might say, Jeff, that's the most preposterous thing I've ever heard. But wait a minute. Aren't we people of the cross? Which means, did it appear that evil was winning? When Jesus was crucified, did it appear that God had lost control? Did it look like the disciples would never recover? Did it appear that a senseless, meaningless crime had been committed and that a sinless, righteous man had died for no good reason? Yes. But in reality, the cross was God's best work. (laughs) You see, last week I talked to you about my spiritual journey and I told you that I grew up in a church that glorified suffering. Oh, we're all suffering for God. Oh, bring it down. Let it rain. Suffering, suffering, suffering. We want to suffer. And as a result, there was never any time of God. We want to present this to you so it might fall down, disintegrate and die. But be careful in your church that you don't demonize suffering to think that every time you hit a a bump in the road, somehow it's the devil. 
Because here's the ultimate question of our lives. Isn't it true that God uses the real tragedies of our lives to wake us up to the reality of eternity? Now see, here's the point. And everyone has to ask this. If God truly loves you, I mean, like he says he does, if he truly loves you and he's your father, then he would want you to be in heaven with him, right? So how far must God be willing to go to make sure that you stay on the right path? Shouldn't he be able to strip everything away from you that's distracting you from what is eternal? That's not an unloving God. That's a loving God who's trying to save your life. I know that for me, I don't know how Byron feels. We haven't talked about this that much, but I know that for me, in the most difficult times of my life is when God's done his best work. It's when I've prayed the hardest. It's when I've memorized the most scripture. I'm telling you, my anxiety disorder that I went through for those three years, I realized that I'd never met the real God. In that season of my life, I realized it is possible to preach and not truly know God. But when God strips everything out, when you can't get out of bed in the morning, when you can't leave the house because you're overwhelmed by some mental illness that you can't explain, that the only way you can start your day is by 45 minutes of prayer and Bible reading, and then everything's calm. I just wonder, I look back at that, and it was God's way of saying, no, Jeff, I'm tired of you getting up in the morning, giving a a ritualistic prayer to get it done and then going out. So this is the only way I know to stop you in your tracks and get you back with me. And Ben, did it work? So if he will do that with me, does he not have the right to do it with you? Some of you need to give God the pen back. You need to give him the pen back and let him write the stories. Because the stories he writes in your life will be far better than the one you'll ever choose. And some of you have taken the pen away from God because you didn't like how your life's turned out. You wanted something better, so now you're angry. And I'm telling you that the story God writes, oh, even in the here and now, the overarching is fantastic, and you know that it's real. But even now, you know what happened to my friend Erin? She forgave the 19-year-old who killed her son. He got six years in prison, and she visits him every week. She told him about Jesus and brought him to Christ. He gives to a charity that she started after the accident. Aaron also befriended the boy's mom to encourage her that it's okay. And they go to Bible study together now. I would have never written a story like that. But God's stories are always better. And it's the reason, the reason Aaron's able to do that is because she does her fantasy, her fantasy land is not here. Man, if your fantasy world's here, I am so sorry for you. Because it's not going to end well. But she lives for a land where the lame will walk again and the blind will see and everything that was lost will be restored to an infinitely greater degree. You do realize that's what this kingdom is about. Not compensation. It's not like God says to you, okay, you are a good little boy and girl, so I'm going to pay you back. No. Heaven is total restoration of all that was lost to an infinitely greater degree. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff is speaking from Highway Church in Queensland. His message is called The Reality of God. Let's continue now. And so, Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, tells us the difference between those who were able to survive the concentration camps and those who were not. And in his 250-page book called Man's Search for Meaning, 
This non-Christian philosopher says he learned that those who gave up hope that they would ever find their families did not last very long in the concentration camps. But those who kept the hope that one day they will be restored and renewed were able to survive and endure everything. That's you and me. We endure and we survive. In the words of C.S. Lewis, when a person dies, listen to these words. For us, it is the end of their story or all stories. But for them, the person who's died, it's only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Now here's how I want to end. I've not been able to do this in every service because of time. But you come late, so you're going to be punished. No. No, no. I want to introduce you to my friend, Joseph Nasrallah. He should be on the screen behind me. Shake your head because I can't see. Is he? Okay. He's a superstar in Egypt. He's one of the most talented singer-songwriters ever. He's got the number three recording in Egypt today. He's written and recorded over 70 worship songs for the underground church. His story, though, like most Christians who only make up 10% of the population in Egypt, is a tragic one. Someone told him about Jesus. He received Christ years ago. But then he had a dream of people marching one by one over a cliff. And he decided that that was the call of God on his life to make sure that everyone in Egypt knew about Christ. They were all headed toward their death. An eternity away from Jesus. So he began passing out Bibles, which is what you don't do in Egypt. I call him a drive-by revelationary because he was putting the Bibles in buses and taxis. In order to try to deal with his popularity, instead of arresting, arresting him, they drafted him into the army. So he saw that as a great opportunity to pass out Bibles to everyone in the military. They finally caught him. They sent him to prison, tortured him for two hours every day for three months. And all he had to do, they told him, was to deny Jesus. And he kept saying over and over, there's no way I'm going to ever deny my Jesus. So they beat him with iron rods, breaking his legs. They burned his eyes with cigarettes. They placed battery charges on his private parts. They tortured and beat and berated trying to break him. And at the end of the three-month period, six guys with black hoods, one wielding a knife, came into his cell and said, okay, denounce Jesus or we will behead you. Now, let me stop there. What would you do? What'd you do? ISIS is all around you. You know what they do and you know they'll behead you. Would you deny Jesus? Would you say, you know what? I'm going to do it, but I don't really mean it. Because after all, Jesus needs me alive. What would you do? Joseph Nazarala responded by saying, there's no way I'm ever going to denounce my Jesus. Now, I wish I could go into the part of the story where he's rescued, but it would take too long. But he's rescued. There's a miraculous event. If you see me out somewhere at a cafe, ask me, I'll tell you the story. God spared his life. And he got a job in a printing press. Guess what he started printing? Bibles. And then the printing press fired him. We sat together in the CCV cafe not too long ago. And Joseph told me his story. If you Google his name, you'll also find that he is the man that stood at the base of the Twin Towers and said, please do not let Islam build a mosque here. It'll be a memorial to show the rest of the world that a head of the giant can be slain. They are torturing my people, he said. 
They're coming into our villages and burning our houses and raping our women and sawing off our body parts. Please do not let them build the memorial. Joseph is now part of a church called Makatum. The 10% of the Christians in Egypt live in the slums. They make their living by filtering through the trash because they're considered to be outcast. And they find in this trash heap, as they filter through it, things that they can sell and that's how they survive. 30 years ago, the Christians stumbled on an old rock quarry. And if you know the history of Christianity, Mark brought the gospel into northern Egypt. And in Mark, there's a verse that says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So the Islamic leader challenged the Christians, taking that verse very literally. If you can move mountains, if your God is real, he can move mountains. And the Makatum, the mountain shook. And it became a holy and sacred place to the Christians. So they built an underground church. The photos, you can Google it online, are incredible. 30,000 people can fit into one service. Different parts of the cave. Over time, because they felt felt this was sacred, they moved 140,000 tons of rocks and they worked mostly at night during Muslim fast periods because they knew the guards would go home and eat. And they blasted dynamite at the same time as the loud sound for the Ramadan fast. They hired a Polish sculptor who's carved biblical scenes of sandstone cliffs all around. Thousands and thousands come from all over the world. This is supposed to be the largest Christian church in the world. Did you know that? Joseph asked if I would come and preach there in November. Three years ago, I'd have said, no way, man. Forget that. I'm not going to Egypt. American, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed American. Well, how long will I last? But I told my wife, I don't see how I can say no anymore. If I'm living for the kingdom that is to come, I have to assume that this is an invitation that God has given. But here's what got me about Joseph Nazarala. His fantasy is not here. His world is not here. It's in the kingdom to come. And as a result, he's willing to risk it all. And his challenge to me was, are you Pastor Jeff? Do you know how they end their services? This is amazing. Again, you can YouTube this if you want to experience. At the end of every service at Makatam Church, they all stand and they repeat together, Yeshua, Come. Yeshua, come. Yeshua, come. They have no ties to this world. They live in poverty. They're begging Christ to come now so that the kingdom will begin. Is that you? Is that you? If it is, can we do it together? In celebration of them, on the count of three, we're all going to say, Yeshua, come three times. One, two, three. Yeshua, come. Yeshua, come. Yeshua, come. See, see only about a third of you did that. Because two-thirds of you are either shy or you don't like being told what to do by an American preacher. I understand both things. Can we do it one more time, though? Imagine that. Imagine that. Begging Christ to come. One, two, three. Yeshua, come. Yeshua, come. Yeshua, come. Oh, man, how I wish he would come. Byron would not be ill anymore. He'd be a good golfer. (laughs) Oh, man. And you know what? If you know my heart, I think Australia is just a little bit of purview of heaven. And in the kingdom that is to come, I wouldn't have to go back to L.A. on Wednesday. (laughs) 
I'd stay right here in God's country. The kingdom that is to come. I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down out of the heavens. I hope you're living for that kingdom because if you're not, the depression and anxiety and frustration will overwhelm you. But if you're living for the overarching story, you'll be able to take anything this world throws at you because you're about something that is to come. And every time you see a good movie, you know it. (laughs) Father, thank you. Praise you for your goodness and kindness. Praise you for Highway Church, what it means to me, what it means to so many others. Thank you for Byron and Ann and their ministry here. Thank you that when you made Byron, you just threw away the mold. There's nobody else like him. Thank you for his friendship, for his leadership in this church, for what you're doing through the power of the Spirit through him. And I pray your blessings. And this church would go from strength to strength as the people live for a purpose greater than themselves. In Christ's name, amen. This is Today with Jeff Vines. And that's the end of Pastor Jeff's message, The Reality of God. To hear this message in full, or to hear other messages from Pastor Jeff's recent visit to Australia, you can search for Jeff Vines at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.